Hi, this is Chris Foreman from Madness, and you're listening to the Stateside Madness Podcast. Hi there, folks, out there. I'd like you to meet Tommy McGuire's combo. Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness Podcast, the one and only podcast of the official Madness American Fan Service. I'm Lori, along with my co-host, Polly, here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band Madness. Well, hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Stateside Madness podcast. I'm Lori. And I'm Polly. Polly, I've missed you. How are you? I'm doing great. I've missed you too. And if anybody had to listen to the last podcast, why we've missed each other is because we put the podcast on hiatus as we had um, a pretty aggressive schedule doing a podcast every two weeks. And we felt that we were kind of running out of madness-centric themes for the podcast. But now, of course, we've got something brand new to, to talk about. I'm excited. Yes, we have the new album that is dropping, actually just dropped on Friday, November 17th. Is that correct? That is correct. So we've had very little time. To listen to it, so this will be a little bit different than some of our previous episodes where we may have done a deep dive into albums that we were already quite familiar with and already very opinionated about. This is more or less for Lori and I, a one-time listen and take on the songs track by track. Yeah, this was really a challenge. I've had less than 24 hours, as I think you have, to prep for this, but... It is kind of cool listening to it with a fresh set of ears. And I am really excited to be able to bring these previews to our listeners. So if you guys love it, go out and buy the album and support the band. And maybe we'll get lucky and maybe we'll finally get the American tour we've been asking for. Oh, that would be good. So Polly, one of the things that we used to do at the beginning of our episodes was the communicator. I don't suppose you have anything for the communicator this week? Just a little bit, but let's go ahead and do it. First up on the communicator, Death of Guitar Pop. Now, you may remember them. I hope you haven't forgot them, and I actually hope you're a listening fan. But Death of Guitar Pop, we interviewed Silky, singer, half of the duo, Silky and Top Cat, who we might call the core of Death Guitar Pop. So they've got a new album out, and um, it peaked at number 27. So congratulations to them. I've had the album now for a couple of weeks. It's absolutely fantastic, and um, you may as well give it a listen. Number 27, that's awesome. Congratulations, guys. Okay, so if you're unfamiliar, they are a true DIY band. They're their own promoters, their own management, and 
uh, they are really, really great about self-promoting. And so they've got a very strong, vibrant fan club. And they've been really working to get the word out about the album, offering special deals for a fan club, and really greasing the wheel to ensure that those sales were up there. Now they're all legit, no trickery. They earned every bit of that number 27 position on the UK album chart. We did interview Silky from Death of Guitar Pop. That was back in episode 47, May 28th, 2022. So I urge everybody to go back. If you haven't listened yet, go back to episode 47 and give a listen. It was a really, really good interview. Lots of great music. That it was. And one thing, not a communicator so much about anything that's coming up in the future, or even recently for that matter, but you may have heard, we've certainly put it out there on social media, and um, there was a stateside madness meetup, you may call it, at least of three admins of myself, Bobby Rubin, and Donald Troll. We were all at the Supernova International Scarf Festival in Hebden, Virginia. And, um, you know, why would I tell you about something that already happened? Well, it comes up again next year. And next year will be the 10th day of anniversary. Now, if this year was any indication of how great the next one is going to be, there was Bad Manners, Stranger Cole, uh, really some awesome legacy acts, Le- uh, Agrolites, Pie Tasters, Cherry Pop Daddies, just a fantastic amount of music over three days. Many new groups that you know, I'm dying to see again, like Catbite, the Rude Girl Review, just, it doesn't stop. Uh, literally, you know, about eight or ten hours a day over three days of just fantastic, fantastic ska music. And I would encourage everybody that can make it next year to Virginia to go to it. It is just the greatest time. And if anybody's wondering why I wasn't there with you boys, I was at Riot <laughs> Fest here in Chicago. A, a, a fantastic festival I've not yet had the pleasure of going to, but um, Lori uh, has been involved for quite a while with Bring Madness to Riot Fest. That's sort of small social media movement, you might call it. Yep. Maybe not small, but so far not effective. No, no, but we're trying. We're <laughs> trying, so... Eventually, they're going to realize that there's more to the U.S. than the East and West Coasts, and that we are not just flyover territory here in the American Midwest, and we want some tour dates. So hopefully, you know, Riot Fest being a, a really popular festival, maybe maybe eventually. That's my fantasy, anyway. We can hope. Yeah. Should we get to the album? Let's do it! Yay! All right, do you want to uh, talk about what the album is about? Well, why don't you do that? All right, so the new album is called The Theater of the Absurd Presents C'est La Vie. Now, this is a concept album in a similar vein to The Liberty of Norton Fulgate. You and I, Polly, had talked to Chrissy Boy during the lockdown, very early on in the lockdown. He shared with us some, you know, new music that they had started to work on at the beginning of the pandemic. But because of the isolation, because of the social distancing, the band was kind of fractured. Especially, I think, given the political climate in Britain with the COVID 
vaccinations and also with Brexit, they were kind of in different camps politically. They were kind of, you know, snarking at each other a little bit. It for a while might have even seemed to an outsider such as myself that maybe they were were going to split. I mean, the, the fights got that bad. And this, by the way, was documented by Suggs in an interview that he did for The Telegraph. My band was like a microcosm of society, Suggs says. Everything got so polarized. We were disagreeing on everything, on vaccination, on lockdown, to the point where I wondered if we would actually get back together. When you can't speak face to face, everything is exaggerated. There were bits where I was infuriated by the rest of them. Arguing over email is exhausting. But they overcame their differences. They made it back into the studio. And this concept album, I'm not really sure how the idea evolved, but theater of the observed, right? These existentialist plays of the mid-20th century, like Beckett's Waiting for Godot, right? Communication breaks down. That's a recurring theme in these existentialist plays. So, I mean, it's an appropriate theme. This entire album, and again, I know I kind of alluded to Liberty of Norton Folgate. It's a concept album in a similar vein, where it's this entire theatrical production in three acts. And uh, it's really, the, the end result, I think, is really very, very interesting. Yeah, that it is. Um, you know, I don't want to get too too deep into, uh, you know, putting a, a star rating on it or anything like that. I think maybe we'll get closer to that by the end of the episode. But all early signs point to uh, a fairly well thought out and cohesive effort. So I don't want to, again, yeah. Not okay. going to go too deep into what my thoughts are quite yet, but when we get to the tracks... There'll be more of my uh, opinion than probably most people care for. Okay. So the entire album is kind of divided into sections, if you will. So we start off with a prologue, and that takes us into the first musical track. Let's listen. Mr. Beckett, sir, it's time. Your audience awaits. There are no exit signs And all the doors are locked The compare jumps up Ladies and gentlemen I'm so glad that you heard Of the blackest black comedy From the house of the absurd Okay, so first we have a prologue, and Polly, you shared something with me about these spoken word parts that I didn't know. Sure. So that that's Martin Freeman, as we all know from Sherlock. Martin Freeman. Yeah, in um, The Hobbit, and yeah. So Martin Freeman, who could you pick uh, that would be a better choice to do this? And um, I'm a huge fan, and 
as it turns out, he's a huge, huge fan of madness and has spoken quite fondly about, um, guess what? Baggy trousers. So, yeah. <laughs> Something, one more thing I, sh- I, I share with Martin Freeman is the love for the absolutely album. Nice. Well, after we heard Martin's very brief prologue, then we heard track two, The Theater of the Absurd. And this is really kind of the introduction to let you know what exactly is happening. It's really kind of a neat, neat jingle. The orchestra Mm, strike strike up a song that no one's heard of, a storyline that no one knows to sing. The cabaret must never end. A dozen roses no one sends. Ooh, the cruelest comedy. So already we've got just kind of this setup of everything's a mess. Everything's going wrong, right? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I thought the pit orchestra sort of intro with them warming up and the whole thing did add a little bit of that going to the theater vibe. I, I don't tend to care for those things. Um, you used, um, you know, it was an intro to a song if it doesn't really work um, and jive with the melody and things like that. But as an intro for an album, particularly following the uh, prelude, um, makes a great deal of sense. I think it was a really, really smart move. Uh, In the song, uh, we've seen uh, the song before, rather. We've heard the song before. But if you watch the uh, the get-up, it was included in that, of course. Um, So this song, not particularly... um, unknown to madness bands but uh as so far as the album goes completely logical for the first track Lori, what are your thoughts on theater of the absurd you know i enjoyed it i had heard it in the getup i wasn't too impressed at that time but hearing it here in this context with the full instrumentation the full orchestra hearing how it falls within this concept album i think is really really important With an album like this, you really have to listen to the entire thing from start to finish to really get the whole picture, right? I love how it sets the stage, no pun intended. I don't know that I would care for it as a standalone track, to be honest, but I think in context, I think it really works here. Yeah, well, uh, I do like the song. Um, You know, I think it's a really strong offering. You know, Suggs, uh, they should have picked uh, or arranged it so it would have been within his range, that middle, you know, section there in the uh, chorus of the off-key kind of warbling does get to me a little bit, that, uh, you know, I hope they're not trying to pass that off as, like, being absurd, uh, because it actually, it just takes a little bit away from the song, but otherwise, completely fine. Um, at first, well, well, not first listen, but um, still being quite new, uh, I do enjoy the song. All right, next song up, If I Go Mad, also featured on the Get Up. So let's take a listen. Give me the future 
All right then, Lori, if I go mad. You know, this is another one that I think we were all really excited about with the Get Up special to, you know, be able to hear some new music. I really like this one. This one has got a really good rhythm, the bass line, the, the way the drums and the bass come together. This is a really catchy track. What do you think? Yeah, I thought so as well. Um, and I didn't have time. Or like I said, we just got to listen to this and then had to do the episode. But um, I dug through Primal Scream albums to try to remind myself of what it sounded like. But it's definitely got a vibe very, very similar to a lot of um, Primal Scream. And uh, yeah, I thought it was altogether pretty well done. A bit of that... Uh, uh, of a quick, you know, rap in there sort of thing. It's a little hard to describe, so it wouldn't go as far as the saying rap, but a weird vocal delivery and a break on there. But aside from that, altogether, very strong effort. Two in a row. Yeah. Very strong. Seal of approval for Bali. Now, you know, interestingly enough, Brian Dearman, who's our friend of the podcast from Mad Chat, pointed out to me that the lyrics on this song have changed. On the four-track EP that came out, the lyrics were a little plastic hat, a little plastic mat. But on the album version that we just heard, it's a little plastic hat, a little plastic nose. I did not catch that. Nope. Didn't see it. Didn't hear it coming. Good good on you, Brian. Yeah, he's good. Okay, so next up we have another recent fan favorite that has turned up in some of the Madness live shows. Probably semi-autobiographical, looking at you, Lee Thompson. This song is called Baby Burglar. I I drift on your ship of fools What do you think of Baby Burglar? Yes, again, so just like said, something we have heard before. I'm all right with the song in general. Uh, like you said, it is a nod to their misspent youth. The melody in the chorus, I feel, falls just a little bit shy of it being hooky enough to, you know, really be an earworm. Um, I think it's a, it, you know, it's a reasonably good effort. Out of the first three tracks, I'm going to say a little bit weaker than the previous two. But, um, you know, there's a lot in there to like. If nothing else, I would say probably by far one of the better guitar sounds I think that Chris has produced. Oh, yeah. The guitar is fantastic on this. So are some of the lyrics. Well, Jesus Christ's sake, baby burglar, where will this wanton action end? Under the wheels of a crazy horse, dragged off in a moment of madness. 
Got a little bit of a name check there, don't we? A little bit of that. They're name checking themselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, if you really go through it with, uh, you know, if the if I go mad. No, I suppose that's true. Madness is not not adverse to, um, you know, uh, throwing the name madness or the concept of madness into a lot of their work. Uh, but we don't have time to go down the list. So what would be up next? Well, that brings us to the end of the prologue. So we've heard the first four tracks. Now that brings us to Act One. Martin Freeman, take it away, sir. Act One. Surrounded on all sides in an increasingly difficult situation, is there still the possibility of escape? Stations in the back, justice, a toothless old hat. It's every man now on his own. It's all for one, you better run and stand up tall against the wall. And one by one, you all shall fall. And though you try to get back home, your cover's bare without a bone. Okay, so that was Martin Freeman with Act One, followed by another great new song, C'est la vie. Holly, what do you think of C'est la vie? Well, uh, right off the bat, I think we should um, point out that there was uh, Dame Helen Mirren was nice enough to do a reading of the lyrics um, and produce a little bit of video as a, as a bit of a teaser for the album. So good on her. Je ne le fais pas. C'est la vie. C'est comme ça que ça va être. But c'est la vie. I, I think there's a lot of great and interesting ideas thrown into that song. Thematically, of course, yes, it's going along with the whole you know, idea of the album. But uh, I think all of these elements combined still don't gel perfectly. They gel enough to make it a good song. Not a great madness song as far as I'm concerned, though. Okay. I actually like this one, Polly. And I think that you mentioned Chrissy Boy's guitar in a previous song. I think that his guitar really, really carries this one. I'm also a bit of a sucker for a song that has French lyrics. Je ne le fais pas, c'est la vie. I'm not doing it, that's life. So, well done, Lori. What? what? Well done. You did that great. Merci. I didn't know, I didn't know you were so fluent in French. I'm really not. I only took two years in high school. I barely remember anything. But thank you. You flatter me. Uh, I like this one. And, you know, I think that this one obviously is the uh, the title track. So it's obviously an important song. But I think this song is really kind of dealing with just the existential dread. And again, if you go back in time to the pandemic with COVID, with Boris Johnson in the U.K., some call it Armageddon. I'm sure you've heard them say it's a tyrannical heaven and we're only a moment away. Now tell me that doesn't just capture what everybody was feeling. I mean, it felt like the world was coming to an end at one point, didn't it? Yeah, I would say certainly that it did. I think it uh, caused everybody to pause. Yeah, had a little bit of nothing to do, a lot to worry about. Yeah, I think we're all under that. And you and I, we 
channeled that angst into creating something. We created a podcast. The band channeled that angst into music, into creating this concept album. I like it. I think this one is well done. Up next, then, let's take a listen to What on Earth? Lori, rather than ask you right away what your thoughts are, I just want to put out there, because you are the one who pays attention to the lyrics. I often do not, but I'm never going to have a problem with a song that contains the lyrics Truffle Shuffle in it. So... Is that a reference to Goonies? I do believe so, yeah. And so happy that the boys know that, or at least in in this circumstance, uh, Lee... (laughs) <laughs> the knife bell tolls and it's pussy galore. Now, come on. Yeah. We have a James Bond reference as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well heard. Okay. But yeah, it's uh, this song is full of uh, crunchy goodness, one might say. Uh, definitely has that crunch vibe. Well, I mean, you know, I'm a sucker for any song that Lee Thompson sings. I just love that gorgeous baritone that man has. So that alone scores points in my book but i do like some of the lyrics here again as you mentioned do you judge me purely on the ratings you bend me like a pretzel now i'm down on all fours the money box is open for the takings now it's hard to hear these lyrics and not think that this is somehow directed at either the record label or the promoters or whoever it is that really expects madness to perform on demand and to keep the the money coming, right? They say over and over in this song, take the money, open the box. And do you judge me purely on the ratings? Well, you know, maybe they're not drawing the way that they did in the 80s, right? So it's kind of hard not to hear that in this song. There's a little bit of um a little bit of bitterness. No, I'd say that's that's a fair, fair assessment. Um yeah, but you know, for me, I'm not even gonna pay attention. I just think it's a great, great danceable song. Everything you want out of classic madness song. Well like I said, it's just got that crunch sort of vibe. Nothing wrong with it. I'll take it all day long. So next up, we have the last track of Act One, and that is called Hour of Need. Let's listen. Serenity lost and out of reach. The night is cold as snow. So be my protector. In this my hour of need. 
right, Polly. Hour of need. Well, I think it's uh, a very, very safe, standard type of pop song. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go as far as calling it uninteresting. Um, I just think almost from when it starts all the way through, it's, to me, just a little too normal for okay. uh, for a madness song. You know, it's, I don't want to call it derivative. I don't want to call it uninteresting. Um, this is going to find an audience with all sorts of people who are going to uh-huh. love it. Okay. Um, but not me. Interesting. Okay. Uh, you know, this is unusual in that it's pretty a pretty direct love song, which we don't see a lot of from Madness. Madness, other than like, you know, a, a couple songs here and there, we did a whole episode about the love songs of Madness, but they're not ever traditional love songs. I think this might be the closest that the band has come to that kind of a traditional love song. And then we've got Suggs, and he's hitting this low register, this gorgeous, growly, sexy voice, which, you know, <laughs> I'm not really accustomed to hearing Suggs in that way. The lyrics are maybe a little simplistic, and it's cold and I'm lonely. I want to rest my head. Ah, hold, hold me gently and lead me to my bed. This feeling of uncertainty, just don't know where to go. Serenity's lost touch and out of reach. The night is cold as snow. You know, I mean, quite frankly, I mean, I wrote poems like that back in high school. Exactly. In this context, though, I mean, I'm okay with it. I think it, again, it's a piece of the whole. As a standalone track, I don't know that it's very strong. But in its place at the end of Act One, I think it fits. Now, where I'm struggling a little bit with this, and, you know, perhaps as I start to read the liner notes and stuff, maybe this will make a little more sense, Polly, is I'm trying to understand exactly what is taking place in Act One. So we started with C'est la vie, and then we moved on to what on earth is it you take me for, which is, you know, again, take the money, open the box, right? I'm not really clear what is taking place here. I'm trying to construct a narrative in my mind and I'm having difficulty with that. I'm having difficulty understanding how these songs fit together into a cohesive act one. True. So I, I'm personally looking forward to either seeing more interviews with the band or reading more interviews with the band or maybe getting the band on the podcast. Hey boys, come on. And learning more about how did they structure these acts and what did they envision happening here? Yeah, that's a good point because they all wrote these songs independently. And uh, I don't even know that there was an intention to have it be a concept album. Uh, you know, maybe the cohesiveness is a little bit, you know, a little bit loose because nobody said, you know, they weren't reading from a script and writing a musical when they were right. getting this album together. It was more of these guys, what's going on with you now? They were in the shared sort of headspace of we're all you know, living in lockdown and during the pandemic. And so I think that's the elements that bring this album together. Now, when you're talking about not having the liner notes, 
that actually makes a really good point too, because part of understanding and knowing what's going on with an album or a band or a thing like that, to me, is at least the tactile experience of having that in your hand and reading liner notes, which I'll do all day long. You know, that adds another texture to a listening experience, being able to see the artwork, read the words, things like that. And that might be part of uh, what's missing for us at this point. But, hey, Royal Mail willing, we'll have those physical copies in our hands pretty soon. Now, I actually do have a little excerpt from the liner notes that I think um, is significant here. It's not about the song, but about the album in general. The album notes state, After a disparate couple of years, which saw the band at their most polarized and fragmented, Madness reunited in an industrial estate in Cricklewood at the beginning of the year, where Suggs, Mark, Chrissy Boy, Mike, Lee, and Woody realized that what united them was always bigger than what divided them. So that brings us to Act 2. Let's take a quick listen to Martin Freeman, and then the song, Round We Go. Act 2. The damsel in distress stands alone with no one to defend her. No one. I got a comment on that Martin Freeman bit. The damsel in distress stands alone with no one to defend her. No one. I really want to know more about what that's about, man. I mean, it sounds really cool. I wonder if they're going to do a stage production the way they did with the Liberty of Norton Fulgate. Because I'm really, really curious to see how this all ties in. Yeah, we could hope, hope um, you know, that it would be lightning... Uh, striking twice, you know, full gate. Maybe that's an area you don't want to go to a second time and try to be that ambitious um, for fear of uh, falling short. Why the fuck are we saying this? All right. Um, yes. Round we go. How about it? What are your thoughts on that, Lori? You know, this is not bad. I will say, I think Act Two is not as strong as Act One. It's a decent song. It's not as strong as some of the other ones we've heard so far. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. The wheels come off and the deals go down. The news comes out and a star is found. We play the game and go round and round. This is kind of a recurring theme. I mean, Madness have, uh, in a number of songs, kind of talked about this idea of going round in circles, right? I mean, they even literally had a song called Round and Round. I don't know. What do you think of this one? So uh, I think it's a reasonably good song. It's a great idea. It's got an interesting melody. Uh, but again, a little bit um, a standard pop song. 
I think I'd like it better, a little bit stripped down and a little bit of a rougher mix. And I think using those those um, Motown-style female backing vocals that are really prominent in the mix um, was probably, maybe that was a little bit of a move of desperation to give it a little bit of importance or a little bit of gravitas. Um, and it just falls really, really short. So to me, I'm not a big fan um, of this song. But you know what? Make it simpler, make it a little bit faster and a little bit edgier, maybe even punkish, and I would have been right on board with it. All right, so that is actually the only song in Act 2. That brings us now to Act 3. Mr. Freeman, would you do us the honors? Act 3. The situation deteriorates still further. It is becoming dire. The end is possibly nigh. Okay, so after Act 3, you just heard Lockdown and Frack Off. Holly, what do you think of Lockdown and Frack Off? Uh, well, it's getting better for me. Yeah, I do like the song. Yeah? Yeah. Um, so this was the... Uh, I listen to these things out of sequence. Uh, or for those of you who are... What, what the fuck am I saying? That? So I happen to look at, listen to these out of sequence. And this is the last song I listened to. And uh, very, very hopeful. Liked a great deal. Everything I've um, made a cliche in the stateside man this podcast by saying it's a beat tempo and very you know it's got all of that in speed so i i generally do like the song Lori, i love this one this is a great one and i mean the title gives it away this is about the lockdown but like the lyrics are really really smart here and i wish we had access at the time of recording to know who wrote what because whoever wrote this is a genius Mad Max was right, petrol heads. Asda was like the dawn of the dead. Panic buying loaves of bread. The toilet roll riots. You'll be left for dead. And think about all the shortages that we experienced at the start of the pandemic, right? So Mad, Mad Max was right, petrol heads. So gas prices, right? Asda was like the dawn of the dead, panic buying loaves of bread, the toilet roll riots. So, I mean, God, I remember all of our stores being out of toilet paper. I remember finding toilet paper at my Walgreens and like speed dialing my friends and telling them, guys, you got to get here. You got to get to this location quick. They got <laughs> toilet paper. Um, Like overnight, 
all of those things that we heard about growing up during the Cold War about all the the shortages and the bread lines in the Soviet Union, all of a sudden we were living it, you know? And I think this song really captures that, but it captures it in in a fun way. Yeah, it, it certainly does. And, um, you know, bear in mind, this seems a bit peculiar, probably to a lot of us, say, yeah, you know, we, you know, we, nobody really enjoyed the pandemic. Why are we continuing to write and things about it and on and on and on? Um, you know, because we do, because that's what happens. Um, and it's somebody's job to do that. And these guys are songwriters and this is how we remember things. You know, there was songs about world war one, world war two. Um, we look back on those as, uh, sometimes silly, sometimes nostalgic, and in 50 years, potentially people will be looking back on these songs or songs of this era about uh, the theme of the pandemic, and maybe they're thinking they're hokey and odd and peculiar as well. But, you know, hey, we were here. We lived through it. we got to have some sort of record of that, and I would prefer it to be a vinyl record. Ooh, that's a good quote. I'm very quotable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so next up we have Beginners 101. Let's listen. Okay, so starts with a really strong piano intro. I think Mike Barson's piano on this one really sparkles. Holly, I know you have something to say about that. Uh, yeah, it reminded me of that shitty heart solo from the 80s. A lot of our madness friends, or rather, friends of the madness faded community, love this stuff. But, you know, if you've met me, you know I'm all about throwing back a few beers and running around like a lunatic. I can't do that to this song. You know, being that it's a concept album, Polly, I think that you can't do that for a lot of these songs. I kind of think that this might actually be part two of Baby Burglar because it's very clearly about a heist of some sort. We took the money and gone. Part of it goes up over the roof, a rope, a jimmy, something waterproof, where eagles dare, a self-proclaimed millionaire. Under a silvery moon, we couldn't finish the job too soon. A nod, a wink, and uncomfortable glance, the man from the special branch. So, obviously, there's some kind of heist going on at nighttime. Uh, somebody is becoming a self-proclaimed millionaire. And I think elsewhere in the song, they also mention, ain't them bars of gold a sight to behold. So I think that maybe we're seeing a baby burglar make his first score. Could be. No, I could, I would not deny you that, Lori. Well, thank you. I got no better explanation, so we'll have to go with that. Okay. 
<laughs> Moving on then. So the next song, Is There Anybody Out There? Let's take a listen. Is there anybody out there? I like this one. This has got kind of a neat, funky vibe to it. You know, starts off really strong with Woody's drums. We've got Mike on, you know, some kind of organ type keyboard. Um, you know, and then Chris's guitars come in. It's it's funky. I dig it. What do you think? Yeah, definitely uh, a real slinky groove there. Um, no, I, I, I dig it a lot. This is something, um, you know, made a little bit more for me, I think. And uh, I'm pretty sure that as time goes by, um, these songs, some are going to fall by the wayside that I'll have um, little or no reason to listen to again. Some are going to be standouts and going to make it heavy into rotation. This is probably going to be one of those. Okay. I really don't have any idea what it's about. The lyrics are a little bit obtuse. Yeah, you'll get no help from me, Ruler. I, okay. I, I don't pay I don't pay attention to lyrics. Yeah, too many letters and words and stuff. Yeah, not my thing. All right, next up then, Polly, the law according to Doctor Kippa. Everybody's thoughts are with you. Take my hand and don't let go Father Patrick offers escape For the cripples down below Right beside you night and day Transfixed by twilight flicker away Making love to bittersweet dreams The master of illusion shall redeem Hanging on in very all right, tell me what you think of the law, according to Dr. Kippa, Polly. Well, um, it's nice to have Lee doing another character. You know, I think you could go back to, say, the Razorblade Alley kind of a character in uh, We Want Freddy for Our Leader bit of a character there uh lynn hope and glory uh so these things can get hackish if done too often but uh i kind of like this I, I i think it's what we know madness for at least a little bit and it's them being fun so you know that alone uh makes it worth showing up on an album for me how about you Lori? oh my gosh there's so much so much to unpack here so much going on i mean there's a reference to enrico sedoli it says enrico sedoli dissolves with the holy ghost 
So Enrico Sodoli died following an incident at a swimming pool, a public swimming pool in North London in 1976, that he may have been held underwater after getting into an argument with a group of boys. But it's still not solved uh, after all these years. They're still looking for a reward there. Cast your mind back 40-odd years to the summer of love still ringing in your ears. Hampstead Heath and ice-cold beers dancing in the moonlight to golden years. Mr. Blue Sky doubles over, thigh-high deep in fields of clover, making love to bittersweet dreams the master of illusion shall redeem. Wow. I mean, that's, that's some really beautiful imagery. I mean, that's painting a picture right there. Thigh-high deep in fields of clover making love to bittersweet dreams. That's really gorgeous. Yeah, let's not uh, let's not overlook the uh, Bowie and the ELO reference in there too. Mister Blue Sky, and I'm assuming Bowie was Master of Illusion. Golden Years. Oh yeah, and Dancing in the Moonlight. That's another song from that time period. Uh sure. Yeah. Who, yeah. who was that? I don't know. Well, King um, Harvest. King Harvest. Is it? Oh, King okay. Harvest. Well, so forget mostly forgettable song. So I mean, we're mentioning all of these, and even you know, cast your mind forty odd, uh, cast your mind back forty odd years. So we're talking, you know, late seventies, and then again, you know, the Enrico Sodoli who died in seventy six. So this entire song seems to be about that particular period of time. Now. I know that most of this is Lee singing, but there's a point where I swear it switches to Suggs. Or it's almost as if, like, they took an AI and blended Suggs and Lee's voices. It's it's weird. It's a it's a very subtle switch. Now, but but we think it's Lee the entire song, right? I don't. I think, uh, does Sugg do the chorus, perhaps? Oh, maybe he does. Yeah. I mean... When he's singing down in that low register like that, it it it, it could be a little hard to distinguish his voice from Lee's. Understood. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, Holly, that is the end of Act Three. That brings us now to the epilogue. That it does. So, how about back to Mister Freeman? And so. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we come to the epilogue. They say all clouds have a silver lining. Will our hero be saved? Who will have the courage to stand and fight? Was always here, let us make that very clear. You get a dumb, you get a fright from the chemtrails in the sky. Monkey punks, you know it's true. Grow two heads of infection. It's been tried, it's been tested, it's gonna work. All right, so Polly, that song we just heard was Run For Your Life. Thoughts about that one? 
Well, um, right off the bat, the uh, first thing that strikes me, and it's early on in the song, is the sort of talk rapping bit that okay. goes on. Um, always a desperate move. Uh, I don't know why people continue to do it. Um, but uh, the song does redeem itself after that, I feel. It's definitely got, you know, a bit of a 70s cop show theme song vibe to it. Yes. And I actually think it kind of sells the theme of the song in that respect. And I think it's a a, a fine closer. Yeah, it's not going to be a standout track, I don't think. But uh, I feel it does make sense and offers a bit of cohesion to what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. So uh, the lyrics of this clearly are about the pandemic and the vaccines. And I know that this was a source of friction between the band members. I know that there are two camps and that there are several members of the band that were very much anti-vaccine. So I think that's coming out in these lyrics. Take away your DNA. Learn to live another way. Cashless is the way ahead. Use your built-in chip instead. And then later on in the song, there's this part that's got like this computer-generated voice. It kind of reminds me of like an old-school speaking spell, if you remember those. (laughs) I do. Right? You know the part of the song I'm talking about? I do, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting to me that they would choose this as the epilogue after the three acts because most of the time you would do this in like some kind of chronology if this was an actual quote-unquote play. And the pandemic would have happened a lot earlier, wouldn't, you know, with the, the, the songs about the toilet paper and the petrol. So I don't know. I'm still not really... I'm not sold on the sequencing of these songs yet. This one is, it, it's its cute. It's clever. I, I don't know that I would listen to it over and over, but I did enjoy listening to it. Next song up then, Set Me Free. Let's take a listen. Oh, can't you see oh, what is doing to me? Lori, so set me free. What are your thoughts on it? Oh, why did that surprise me? You always ask me what are my thoughts. So I guess the full <laughs> title of the song is Set Me Free, Let Me Be. I got to say, I think this is a sexy, sexy song. I think Better's bass line is just so silky smooth and sexy on this. And then again, Sug singing in that lower register, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I... I I dig this one. This this is a really good one. What do you think? Yeah, not a lot um, to say that you didn't actually just lay out there. You know, it does have that 
80s uh, sort of post-new wave disco vibe to it. Yep. So, you know, it, it would be appropriate for them. They were of that era. Uh, yeah, and like you said, got that baritone crooning that you were so fond of. And yeah, Patterson um, really does stand out as the star in this particular song. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to like there. All right. So, Polly, that brings us to In My Streets. Let's listen. There's Turkish drug dealers, an Irish halfway house. There's ten full black bin bags blowing round the gaff. And everybody's moaning about their own birthday. And everybody's talking about getting away. In my streets, it's just the people you meet. I've got a line, but I can't get away. Oh no, well, not until Judgment Day. This Eggy, Beanie, Purple, and Chaney, Ronnie, and Freddy. So, Polly, what did you think of In My Street? So in some ways, I thought it was fairly reminiscent of Folgate, the the actual song. Uh, You know, different sections, different parts, uh, and a lot of building and a flourish kind of in the middle. So in that respect, there's a lot going on. They're very dynamic, which I appreciate in a song. Yeah, I would absolutely listen again. But with these songs that are a little bit more complex, I think it's a little bit harder to get an initial take on. So I'm going to say, let's put this one on hold. I'll listen a few more times, and uh, I'll have a firmer opinion then. Does not do us a great deal of help uh, right now taping a podcast about opinions on the song, but nonetheless, that's where we're at. Okay. I thought it kind of ends the it ends the album with a whimper. It, it There are so many strong tracks, and then to end on this note is just kind of, you know? It doesn't, this one doesn't really do anything for me. I can see that. You know, we've talked about list songs before, right? I mean, Baggy Trousers is even kind of a list. Now, this entire song isn't that way, but there's a part of the song, a boxer, footballer, a black cab driver, a gangster, a fraudster, a cheating conniver, and everybody's talking about getting away. Looks like we're here to stay. So, again, it's kind of hard not to see those last two lines. Everybody's talking about getting away. looks like we're here to stay, as referring to the pandemic and the lockdown. I could see that. And the gangster, the fraudster, the cheating conniver. Boris Johnson, perhaps? Could be. Yeah. Was he the one? Now, you know, I, I'm not as up on British politics as many of our listeners who live them. But wasn't Boris like having a party on Downing Street when everything was supposed to sure, be locked yeah. down? Yeah. yeah, so that's that that's the big uh faux pas of um his tenure as prime minister, maybe aside from policies. Uh <laughs> that uh yeah, that right. That was the big faux pas, uh huh. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well nobody's right. So people are people are not talking about that, but they still of course are talking about the investigation into his own breaking of all the lockdown rules. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and right on them. We should investigate these things. But I just say it's really adorable and quaint what passes for a political scandal over in the UK. It's true. Really, that, 
that was the big scandal. He had a party. Meanwhile, we've got all this crap going on over here with people, you know, claiming fraud, stolen elections, and and all kinds of people on the take. But that's what you're concerned about, a party. Okay, sure. Well, <laughs> to, to be fair, to be fair to our friends across the pond, um, you know, they're they're not without their shitstorm too. There, there's plenty there's plenty going wrong for those folks. The trains don't seem to run anymore, you know? So yeah. All right. So Polly, this brings us to the final track. Martin Freeman, one last time with Finn. <laughs> Martin Freeman with Finn. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the end. You know what that kind of reminded me of, Polly? Do you remember the tubes? Absolutely. With the completion backward principle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of what that line reminds me of. Mm-hmm. This is the end of the beginning. Yes. And uh, so we didn't talk about Martin a great deal, but, um, you know, I think he almost plays um, a role that uh, Chas had played during uh, the full game of being a bit of a narrator and adding a bit of uh, spoken word texture to the album. Um, and, and good on him. No, I thought he did a fantastic job. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned Chaz Smash because I will again say I feel this album is missing something without him. Now, I feel that a lot less than I did the previous album. So this is actually their first album in seven years. And this is their 13th studio album overall. Arguably, this is much, much, much better than Can't Touch Us Now. And I would also say it's much better than Wee Wee, Si Si, Ya Ya, Da Da. So I think Wee Wee was kind of eh. Yeah. Can't Touch Us Now, they were just phoning it in at that point. So it is really refreshing to me to hear a cohesive, well-thought-out, well-planned layers and layers of instrumentation you know like this i don't like this as much as the liberty of norton folgate that will always be my favorite madness album but i think it is starting to rise to that level wow i think that yeah i i I think that this is a very very good album overall i was as surprised as you were polly i was expecting to hate this i really was I think that this is a very, very good album overall. And if I were to improve anything, it would be Bring Back Jazz Smash. Uh, yeah, not an unpopular sentiment, that one. Uh, um, I don't know that I can really register an opinion due to the newness of the album. Um, I've never been particularly great about this. Um, I do sort of have uh, a code where I say I have to force myself to go into these things with an open mind because there's all the time in the world to be critical once you've really, really listened to it over and over. Um, Right now, my gut feeling is that, yes, I would continue to reach for this album and continue to play it. Um, There's not anything right off the bat that I find particularly uh, offensive that would... 
force me to say, no, I can't bear to pick that up. So that at the very least means that, yeah, uh, I got to give it a shot. And um, I'll only know in time, uh, you know, what uh, I feel about the album as a whole. I know there's some standout tracks that I'm going to continue to go back to and that are going to continue to make it into my playlist. Um, but uh, yeah, I think as fans often of established bands as putting impossible conditions on their heroes or their favorite bands to put out albums reminiscent of when they were young and then by extension when we were young. I can't have Madness put out an album uh, that's going to resonate with me the way it did when I was 12 or the way it did when I was 20. So you've got to appreciate that these guys are going to have to move in different directions just like we all had to. And uh, and they certainly have, have with this. Um, yeah, this is deeply personal uh, and probably, you might say, a bit necessary. Um, and I'm guessing on the part of the guys, maybe a bit cathartic. So maybe I'll just leave this as the album that had to be done uh, for madness in 2023. You know, I, I really do appreciate, as you have just been kind of alluding to there, this is a mature madness, right? This is not the band that has been doing the same thing over and over for 40 plus years, right? Not every song they do sounds like Baggy Trousers or It Must Be Love. Their sound has really evolved and matured over the years. And so have we. Our, as fans, we have matured along with the band. So I feel that this is a really, really good, solid album. I'm pleased with it overall. I'm, I'm very, very happy. And I would encourage our listeners, if you are a Madness fan, show and show them some love go out you know buy the album it's available for digital download it's available on cd for all you luddites out there it's also available on vinyl and uh and check it out it's worthwhile polly's giving me the thumbs up because he knows i just called him a luddite proud of it (laughs) i'm all digital baby and, and I think we should also put out there that we are not the only people proffering opinions on this particular album. So our partner in crime, Donald Troll, and our friend across the pond at MIS, John Young, uh, you will find that on our Stateside Madness blog, there is a feature in two parts about the album we would encourage you to read. Yeah, and you know, I always enjoy reading Donald's writing in particular. He's really a very, very talented, very eloquent writer. So um, I haven't read it yet, but I'm really looking forward to reading what he has to say. Now, I didn't want to color my views of the album by reading his review before we listened and did our review. So now that we're done, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read what Donald and Jonathan had to say. Probably that brings us to the end. That it does, and it does feel so good to be back together doing the podcast. Now, folks, we're still waiting on a little bit more Madness news. And when we get it, we're going to be right back and doing another podcast about it. But please, bear with us. It could be some time, but as soon as we know, you'll know. 
Yeah, so we're just going to continue to do one-off episodes such as this, whatever something new and noteworthy comes up. And can I give a little plug for my other podcast, Polly? By all means, go right ahead. It's a lovely podcast. Okay. Well, thank you. So uh, I, I have been focusing my energies on my other podcast, which is called Accelerated Culture. It's all about 80s and 90s new wave and alternative music with my co-host, Rob, who's a former DJ. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We've been doing some album deep dives. We just finished Jane's Addiction. Nothing shocking. The same day that, ooh, Polly goes, ooh, yeah, check it out. It's uh, Polly, you will be in stitches. We were cracking each other up so much. I had to keep stopping the recording. We were laughing so damn hard. And then uh, the same day that this episode of Stateside Madness comes out, our episode on New Order's Technique will be coming out. So I, I hope that you, you'll you check that one out as well if you feel so inclined. But if not, that's okay. Thank you for joining us over here at Stateside Madness. That's a goodbye for me. And that's a goodbye for me. Go get a beer, Stateside Madness. <laughs>